Today on Building in Faith with Pastor Ed Jones. Perhaps, he thought, I'm too busy. There's a lot on my schedule today. Or he didn't want to somehow perhaps touch this man because if he happened to die in his arms and his care, he would be declared unclean. And he'd have to go through all sorts of ceremonial washings that would take days. And people would ask, why are you unclean? Uh, So he, he didn't want to have those questions asked of him. Reaching up high with arms open wide, we see you're changing our lives so we can be our heads and feet. In Luke chapter 10, Jesus tells the story of the Good Samaritan. In the parable, we hear about a priest who was too busy or perhaps too prideful to help a person in need. However, a Samaritan does all he can to help this same man in need. Throughout this story, God demonstrates just how we can love God and our neighbor. In today's message, Pastor Ed reminds us that all the Bible knowledge and scholarship in the world results in nothing if that knowledge does not change our heart and behavior. Now here's Pastor Ed with part one of today's message entitled, The Good Samaritan. How many of you have heard of Good Samaritan Hospital or uh, Samaritan's Purse or other organizations that take this story of the Good Samaritan as a model and as a name to indicate what type of work they're involved in in helping and relieving the oppressed and the needy? It all came because of a question. You know, it's real hard to tell how much people love God. Oh, no, I know people come in and they say, I love God. It's hard to measure that. I mean, it's hard to tell a person's personal relationship with God. You can't get down inside of them and and see their heart and know exactly how they feel about God. I mean, they may express one thing, but they just don't know. It's not hard to tell how a person loves God if you look at how they live out their creed. I mean, Jesus gave a test. And what Jesus was saying is how you love other people is the bottom line how you love God. Now, I know it's possible to love people and not to love God. There are a lot of humanitarian organizations that go on around the world helping people, and we're thankful for that. And we know that there are agnostics and atheists, and there are many people that do a lot of good, and we applaud the good and acknowledge that. So it's possible to have compassion on people and yet not love God. But it's impossible, let me underline that again, it's impossible to love God and not love people. The measure of our love for God is seen 
in the way we treat others. That's what Jesus was saying. Uh, This question, this incredible story, came out of a series of questions. And I'd like to look at the lead questions to this unforgettable story. The lead questions. First, there was an insincere question. It was a Jewish leader, a lawyer, a student of the scriptures. He asked the question. On one occasion, an expert of the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, that question wasn't sincere. He knew the law. He knew the Mosaic The first five books of the Bible, he knew the Old Testament, he had memorized much of it. But he wanted to ensnare Jesus. If you study the Gospel of St. Luke and you read the prior chapters and the chapters that follow, Jesus is upsetting the religious leaders of his day because he's going outside the box. He's loving the sinners and the publicans and the prostitutes and the tax collectors. He's reaching out to people and they're calling into question his orthodoxy. They're calling into question his theology. And so here's a teacher of the law ready to ensnare, trip up, bring down Jesus. And so he says, teacher, tell me, how can one have eternal life? I love Jesus the way he does things. He just turns the table around. The master teacher can't be put into a box Uh, they try and ensnare him and he takes the booby track in his hand and he gives it back to the lawyer and lets it explode in his face and he says to the lawyer well here's a counter question Uh, what's written in the law he replied how do you read it well you're the expert What's written in the Bible? What do you know? Now, every single morning, every religious Jew, according to tradition, would get up and quote the Shammai out loud. He would quote from Deuteronomy and Leviticus. Listen to the passage. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. That's right from Deuteronomy and Leviticus. So he quotes that every morning and immediately he takes that out and he shows Jesus. It's in the phylactery that he may wear on his wrist or the phylactery that he has on his head. Every Jew knows those verses and he quotes it for Jesus. Hmm. Heart. What's a heart? It, it speaks of the spiritual life, the inner being with all what's inside of us, our soul, our life, with our intellect, our mind, our thoughts, our thinking, with all of our strength, everything we are, everything we have, is to be utilized in love for God. That's the lawyer's reply. Sounds good. Sounds religious. Very spiritual. You know, there's a clear channel communications. It's the largest radio company 
in America. It has 1,100 stations. They've discovered that people will turn a commercial off very quickly once it comes. About 13% will just, as soon as they hear a commercial, they'll switch to another channel. About 20%, once they hear the first commercial, they'll turn to another channel before the next commercial comes on. And so they're trying to reinvent the commercials. And so this station says they have a five-second commercial, a one-second commercial, a two-second commercial. The five-second is called the adlet, and the two-second is called the blink. Now, maybe you've heard the adlet. Here's one of the commercials. I'm hearing people's thoughts, and then a whisper, heroes on NBC. God put these two major commandments into an adlet and into a blink. On them and in them, all of the Old Testament law hangs. You could wrap up the whole Decalogue the Ten Commandments, and place them in those two commandments. The first half of the Decalogue deals with our love for God. The second half of the Decalogue deals with our love for one another. The first commandment, uh, listen to it. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind. Five seconds. 1,001, 1,002, 1,003, 1,004, 1,005. Two seconds, 1,001, 1,002. Second one, love your neighbor as yourself. A little shorter than two seconds. Those messages are meant to get our attention. They're meant to rivet our soul to what is important to God and what he requires of us. Now, he had the commercials down good. The lawyer knew him. Watch Jesus' response. You have answered correctly, Jesus responded. Do this, and you will live. Man, how humbling. He was like a schoolboy, this lawyer, who made up his own test... And then when he took it, he failed it. Jesus leveled him, humbled him. And the scripture text goes on to say, uh, another question comes up, a defensive question. But he wanted to justify himself. So we asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Now, you know, it's a strange thing how we can lose the meaning of text. We get into a small group and discuss this theological meaning and feel that knowledge of it is the same as doing it. Knowledge of the Bible is not the same as doing what the Bible says. Knowledge is not the same thing as practice. We may accumulate all sorts of knowledge about biblical facts and about God and things, but it doesn't mean we really know it. You don't really know it until you live it. And so 
the lawyer, not willing to be humbled. He wanted to justify himself. Ask Jesus another question. Now, Jesus didn't come back with a theological debate. He didn't come back and try and give him, all right, there's five Greek words that refer to love in the Greek, you know, in the Greek culture, and I'll explain all this. He didn't do that. He just simply told him a story. The questions answered with a story. Verse 30, in reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. Hmm. Jesus tells about a man, and we assume he's speaking here now to a Jewish culture, and they're thinking, all right, this Jewish man journeying from Jerusalem down to Jericho is beaten. It's a, it was a treacherous road. It was a, a decline from above sea level to below sea level, about 3,500 feet. It was 17 miles in distance from Jerusalem to Jericho. Dangerous road. This could likely happen. It was a realistic story. And then he says, there's a priest, verse 31. Now by chance, a certain priest came down that road. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Now the priest is in all likelihood in the story, leaving Jerusalem. He has served his term in the temple. He's offered the sacrifices, and and maybe he's getting ready for the next uh, time that he'll be serving. And as he leaves Jerusalem, remember... In the morning he recited, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. He knew the theology. He knew the verses. He goes along the road and sees a man beaten, bloodied, half dead, half alive, just looks past Phylactery is on his hand. It's on his head as well. But not in his heart. Why didn't he stop? Well, perhaps, he thought, I'm too busy. There's a lot on my schedule today. Or he didn't want to somehow perhaps touch this man because if he happened to die in his arms and his care, he would be declared unclean and he'd have to go through all sorts of ceremonial washings that would take days and people would ask, why are you unclean? Uh, So he he didn't want to have those questions asked of him. And maybe he thought, my assistant is behind, he'll take care of it. So there the priest goes, walking on his way. I don't know if that was his reason or not. But I do know that sometimes that's our reason. We're way too busy. Too much on the agenda. Isn't it odd? When a person often needs us, it's an inconvenient time. 
Don't you wish they would come at a convenient time? Oh, I have some extra time today. I can help. But it's often when it's most inconvenient. Well, Jesus didn't stop there. And I'm sure from the crowd, he was, they were pretty happy with him thus far. Because those priests, those religious leaders, you know, they were a little uppity up. And so the people that were hearing him and his disciples that were hearing him felt, that's good, they deserve it, you know. Uh, They're sort of a a breed unto themselves. Won't get their hands dirty. Well, Jesus mentions the Levite. Now the Levite was like the assistant pastor. He took care of the scrolls. He took care of other things in the the temple and did all the different work. And it says, likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. So he did a little more than the priest. But he came and he looked. Better not touch. I better not get involved. You know, it's going to take more than just helping this man in a few minutes I might be involved with this for days. I might be involved with this for an extended period of time. What am I going to do? I can't take him home to my wife right now, and she's upset with me, and I'm upset with... Well, you know, I, I can't do it now. And besides, the priest, the pastor there, he didn't do it. I won't have to either. So he goes over to the other side, and he walks away. Again, I don't know if he thought that, But I do know that sometimes we think that, well, if she didn't help or he didn't help, why should I help? Maybe they know something I don't know. Sometimes we are just like that Levite. Someone wrote, commenting on this, their relationship with God was based on the fulfillment of the rules and the regulations of their religion more than on the deeper meaning of the two great commandments. Sometimes religion becomes rules and regulations and rituals. We want to be holy, which is a good thing, but we want to be holy and we so separate ourselves from people that we're unwilling to get our hands dirty and help. Well, they're homosexual. Well, they're Muslim, well, they're our enemies. Now, the audience that Jesus was speaking to thought they knew the punchline. And so did his apostles. Both the audience and the disciples were shocked by what Jesus says next. They were expecting, and stories were often told, and characters were often depicted in triads. So they were expecting A good Israelite comes by. But Jesus picked out the bad guy. He picked out someone that everybody despised. The Samaritans, they were half-breeds, half-Jews, half-Gentiles. They worshipped at Mount Gerizim. There was competition, there was bitterness, something like... A Jew stopping by today to help a Palestinian, or a Palestinian, a Jew, or a Jew helping in the Middle East a Muslim, or a Muslim, a Jew. 
So there was these feelings of shock when Jesus said in the story, but a certain Samaritan. The disciples were shocked. The people were shocked. The disciples, well, they remember. In chapter 9 at the end, Jesus was ready to go through a community in Samaria, but they didn't let Jesus pass through. They were bitter with Jesus. They didn't want anything to do with Jesus. Now, John and James, they were going to take care of it. They said, Lord, let's call down fire. Destroy that city. Get rid of those Samaritans. Jesus said, no, no, no. Had Jesus held a secret anger, offense in his heart, he would have never made the Samaritan the hero of the story. So his disciples with that incident fresh in their mind, hear their master make the Samaritan the hero. Listen to the verses again. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion, so he went to him, and he bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. Notice, He saw him. Well, it says the priest saw him. The Levite saw him. But their scene was different. They didn't see a person to minister to. They saw an interruption in their day. They saw a bother, a concern. The condition of our heart determines what we see. The condition of our heart determines how we see people. If our heart is filled with anger and bitterness and resentment, we see people as bothers and burdens and just something to avoid and situations to walk around and somehow avoid. But this man saw him as a brother to take care of, as a person that had a need. Now, I I could imagine that the thoughts that went through the other people's minds may have gone through his mind. You know, if I stop and help here, the thieves may get me. I might be a victim as well. And and it, it wasn't easy. He took that man and he poured the oil over his wounds, poured wine, lifted him up, put him on his donkey, took the man all the way to the inn, and then ministered to him, stayed up that night, helped him as he got through the night. And then the next morning, he gave two denarii. That would take care of several days' food. It cost. Hmm. Now, some of us, if we were the Samaritan, would stop and say, Now, you see that priest? Yeah, yeah. You see that Levite? Yeah, yeah. They're the same faith. 
let me witness to you and tell you about us in Samaria. We really should be wor worshiping at Mount Gerizim. And uh, if you're willing to change your theology, then I'll help you out. The Gospels are grand central station for learning about Jesus, which is the single most important part of our lives as Christians. Please join us each day as Pastor Ed teaches through the Gospel of Luke. You've been listening to Building in Faith, the radio ministry of Dr. Edward Jones of Faith Assembly in Poughkeepsie, New York. Now, we want to encourage you to log on to buildinginfaithradio.com and spend some time getting to know us. There you can find today's message. The only thing you need to remember is today's date. Again, to stay current with what's being broadcasted here on Building in Faith and to access the archive of messages, log on to buildinginfaithradio.com. Or if you'd like, you can always give us a call. Our phone number is 845-462-5955. That's 845-462-5955. Well, that's all the time we have for today. We invite you to join us again for the next edition of Building in Faith. On behalf of Pastor Ed, Faith Assembly, and the entire production team, we want to say thank you for joining us and come back next time for another edition of Building in Faith.